Welcome to the War and Beast podcast, the podcast that boldly goes where no podcaster has gone before. I'm your host, Greg. Uh, I'm Emily, and this this was this is a Star Trek this is a Star Trek episode. Greg, what do you, what's going on? Yeah, I thought it was weird too, but tonight we'll be reviewing season three episode of Star Trek Enterprise: Proving Ground. So, I I think you meant Mitch Misty S. I think you meant this, the Beast Wars episode, Proving Grounds. I I thought we were watching the season three Animorphs Proving Ground. Uh, Jordan, I'm pretty sure that's not a thing. Plus, we're obviously reviewing the Star- Stargate SG-1 season five episode titled Proving Ground. I can't wait to talk about how it's S- it's SG-1's turn to start testing a quartet of Air Force cadet prodigies for SGC recruitment, and how Carter is optimistic while O'Neill is overly critical. This this is Beast Wars podcast. Well, we could also maybe talk about the Buffy slash X-Men crossover. I mean, it's all here on the Proving Grounds wiki. No, damn it. This is my podcast. I'm the president of this podcast, and I say Enterprise. We're going to take short breaks on my unprepared co-host can watch this episode three times and make sure that they take copious notes each time. I, meanwhile, will try this new coffee I bought the other day. The roaster is called Proving Grounds. <laughs> it's been a long But my time is finally here, and I will see my dream come alive at last. I will touch the sky, and they're not gonna hold me down no more. No, they're not gonna change my mind, cause I've got faith on the heart. We're back. After everybody's watched that episode three times, I think we're okay now. Why'd I have to watch it three times? Like, that was a bit much. Because I had to make sure that you got it all in. <sighs> Look, the episode, I, I understand. The episode is twice as long as the normal Beast Wars episode. So, you know, we have to watch it, you know, and normally watch a normal Beast Wars episode six times, right? So, yeah. so I just, I just watched cut it, it once. Cut it in half. Okay. Well, con- consider this your proving oh. ground, Em. <laughs> well, I where's I the, where is the drums and symbol for that? <laughs> what? <laughs> I think they're across the room for Kendall. Aww. Oh, oh, drums and symbol. I didn't, I didn't care what you there said. There we go. Exactly. Oh yeah, there we go. That's where it is. Anyways, I was going to say that I only watched it twice because I watched it once and then I watched it again to pay attention to the Andorian Atena emotes. <laughs> Yeah, but yes, this week we we aren't reviewing Beast Wars this week, and next week you'll find out why. Uh, but yeah, 
So we, we decided to do something a bit different at Kendall's suggestion since there seems to be so many things titled Proving Ground. I, I suggested Actually, it. Emily Wait, suggested it. you? I yeah. thought it was Kendall. You just think it was Kendall because it's Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, probably. But what happened was we had to do a bonus episode and like I, you guys are talking about possible things and I'm like, Proving Ground sounds like a really generic name for an episode. Let's see if anything else is, t- is labeled that. And then I found... The, the, the first thing that came up was Star Trek Enterprise. And I'm like, that's perfect because we're half a Star Trek podcast. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And also it's part three of a seven part arc or something like that. So, yeah. so perfect to, to just jump right in. Yeah. I mean, I followed it decently enough. So in the, the beginning of the episode, uh, Shran pours some liquid into a glass. The glass is Italia Ultimate Thull Series 19... 19- 68 from Finnish designer Tapio Workala. I thought that the important trivia was going to be early on the IMDb. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, title is based upon the name for a military installation where new weapons are tested or proved at such sites as Aberdeen Proving Ground, Maryland, or Yuma Proving Ground, Arizona for the United States Army. Um, episode featured not only the first good look at the interior of an Andorian ship, but also provided the first glimpse of Andoria, albeit uh, briefly on a monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, takes place in December 2153, which I will say uh, all Star Trek series IMDb episodes say <laughs> when it takes place. It is less impressive to see that on this because Captain Archer literally says the date and it's not a star date. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dr. Phlox does not appear in this episode. Okay, Fuck. we're getting into the really unimportant stuff. My favorite character. Um, Andorian's <laughs> blood is blue. They use a chair from watched. Voyager. I've never watched They before. use a desk from Voyager. <laughs> they uh, use the Death Star. <laughs> but it's smaller. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, that's enough of those. Um, any, any, uh, any important trivia on Memory Alpha, Jordan, that... That I well, didn't cover. Let's see here. There was quite a few. Uh, they mentioned the things that you did. Uh, where was it? Uh, the Oh, it mentions that a costume worn by an Andorian officer on the Kamari was auctioned off in the It's a Wrap sale and auction. doesn't mention how much it got, though. Hmm. Uh, it also mentions the part of the Andorian general was originally played by actor Ted Sutton. But they were unable to get him to do the reshoots, and the part went to uh, Granville Van D- Dusten. I hope I said his name right. Um, let's see. Then I think most of the other things here are uh, kind of kind of like uh, continuity things. Like like here it says, despite the destruction of the prototype well before the Andorians could make any use of it, the Vulcan High Command was told that Tron had been successful and that the Imperial Guard was, in fact, studying it for their own purposes and a year later would use their supposed possession of the weapon in order to launch a preemptive invasion. So basically, typical Cold War stuff, I guess. Hmm. Interesting. And I guess and yeah, also, later hmm? in the series, the later in the series, they actually do the the Vulcans uh, claim that the Andorians have Zindi technology and use that as an excuse to invade. So, yeah, Vulcans are not uh, are not uh, portrayed as like the greatest people ever in this in this season. There's there's or in this series. There's a there's a reason that. Uh, that Bones hates those green-blooded SOBs so much. So, I never watched Star Trek Enterprise, 
or a lot of Star Trek in general, to be honest. And I remember, like, I had a friend, my roommate, actually, he really hated Enterprise because, like, it introduced all these alien races that, like, never show up again. And it's supposed to be a prequel. And, like, are Andorians a thing that ever shows up in any of the other Star Trek um, Andorians are from oh, yeah. Andorians are from the original series. Okay. Yeah. I actually Maybe some of those other too. things, though. Uh, again, this is just like what my roommate said. I don't the know. Zindi, I don't know. The Zindi, I believe, are originally created for, for Enterprise. Yeah. So yeah, here's yeah. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, enter- prequels mess with continuity. That's that's kind of a thing, especially prequels that take place way like or that, you know, that are made way after the fact. So, I mean, yeah, you don't see the Z- the Zindi. There's I think there's there are there are some other alien races, but I mean. The Klingons show up, and the and yeah, you know the Andorians get fleshed out. The fact that the Andorians get fleshed out is really great because they're sort of. I feel like they're they they're one of those races that showed up in a couple of of original series episodes, but didn't really. I mean, they're in Next Generation, and I think they're in. Uh, like, aren't was it? Uh, Enterprise that suge- that suggested that they eventually ha- like formed the uh, coalition of plans with with uh, with the other three, or was that actually like a, just a generalized thing of the of the like like basically that was like pretty much from the get go that the four groups included the Andorians in creating that. Um, uh, I think it was towards the end of the series that they they had it where. They signed the charter for, oh, for, for the, the Federation. Uh, yeah. uh, the, for the Federation. Well, yeah. the Andorians are part of the Federation in in the original cool. series, and uh, and they're also like the the one moment that I remember in Andorian in Next Generation is when Mark Twain comes aboard the Enterprise, and he <laughs> assumes that the Andorian there is a slave um, that that mm. you know that the humans conquered, but actually that's not what happened. Um. um Oh, uh, you guys! Are you guys done with the trivia or not? Well, I, actually, I, I had trivia <laughs> to, to add. I had one more thing that I wanted to point out. Where the the memory alpha mentions that when uh, Shran contacts Zindi, he pretends to be a scout from the Andorian Mighty Consortium, and they said this could be a reference to the non-canon video game Star Trek 25th Anniversary, which was first, uh, which was the first and only source where the consortium was mentioned. However, it's not made clear in that, epi- in that episode that the consortium really existed. It could have been an invention improvised by Shran. Uh, yeah, that was and- what I got the impression of. Yeah. Apparently, Andorians are a playable race in Star Trek Online for the Federation. So that explains everything right there with their Federation. <laughs> so, but, but can what? you... Con- I was just wondering, can you control the Dealey Bobbers too, or is it just <laughs> probably, just... probably can't? It's Jordan, well. you seem to have Dang a fascination it. with the antenna here. Well, see, I as as someone who likes playing like non-humanoid characters in RPGs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I always take a, take a moment to notice anything that is not you know humanoid of the person. So, like, if a character has a tail, I always like to try and think of like, well, how do they use it to balance? How does it move? Fins, wings, uh, feathers. Like I once had to describe how a uh, pony character rolled up a piece of paper and tucked it behind their ears, and so like I just like God. to think of those things. I like to think those things through. And <laughs> <laughs> now uh, the piece of trivia that I had is that the guy playing, uh, sorry, what's his name, the the Andorian Trend? dude, Tran. The dude playing that also plays Ratchet from Transformers Prime. Yes. Oh. I totally recognized his voice, and the whole time I was like, "Where do I know that voice from?" He's, 
<laughs> I, so I had to look it up, and I'm like, oh, he's Ratchet. That makes sense. Yeah, I totally he, see it now. He's he's shown up in in a number of shows. He's kind of a character actor. Um, what's his name? Jeffrey, a great voice. Is it Jeffrey Combs? Is that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, he he's... Um, I first heard it. Well, saw him really in D Space Nine because he plays uh, a character in D Space Nine in the later seasons too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says he was in. Um, he's played eight different characters for Star Trek. Played the role of Brunt, Weun, Shran, Tyrone, Kevin Mulcahy, Pink, Krem, and a Hollow Sweet guest. Oh, only uh. one of five, one of only five actors to play seven or more different characters in Star Trek. The others nice. being other people. Shred's pretty important of a series, though, it seems like. I mean, maybe not, but yeah, like, he's it seems a, like he's a... He's a major... He's a major sort of foil. He's kind of... He kind of reminds... He kind of plays a similar role as, like, Gal Dukat, um, or... I can't think of an equivalent in um, in original series or, or Next Generation. It wouldn't help me anyway, so... But I appreciate the effort. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Wait. Was... Cause... He was on Whose Line Is It Anyway? I think I saw him there. <laughs> okay, cool. No, I'm just, I'm just saying. I didn't, I did not, I did not. Like, I thought the name Jeffrey Combs sounded familiar. Yeah, voice working for comedy pretty well. Yeah. Uh-huh. Something I did not know is that he auditioned for the role of uh, Riker in Star Trek: The Next Generation, but lost it to Jonathan Frakes. Jeez, can imagine that dude as Riker, guys. He played, he played Herbert West in some of the reanimator movies. I mean, I couldn't Ooh. imagine him as Riker either, and Riker is one of my favorite characters from all of Star Trek. But also, you have to keep in mind that Riker in season one was nothing of note until yeah. he got the beard. Like, the I don't beard's important, okay? Him. Yeah, I mean, well, that's I mean, that's when the show got good. Like, people will say, people say, like, it's when it's when Riker got his beard. It's when uh, when Cisco got a beard. And I don't even know. Rick, it looks like Sans beard. It looks it's sad. um, it's and then it's uh, when um, Janeway like either she put her hair down or she put her hair up. I can't remember, but she changed the way she did her hair in Voyager, and that was when it got better. But oh, I think that's when she had it down, but it was shorter. Yeah, it looks so weird about the beard. <laughs> I don't like it. Ah, wait, he was special agent Milton Dammers in the Frighteners. That's probably another role that I really would notice him in now that I think about it. Oh, I know one of you. Well, mind you, it's just a voice role. But, Em, have you played Injustice 2 yet? I have not. Oh. I know he's, I know he's just Brainiac. In yeah, that. he's Brainiac in that. Cause like, I went to his oh. IMDb, and that's how I found yeah. out that he was Ratchet. So. <laughs> cool. Um, do we want to say anything about our backgrounds or just dive into the episode? Um, I think it's pretty much uh, understand that for me, I have never watched any any Enterprise story ex- except this. Well, I think we should talk about Star Trek backgrounds in general. Oh, okay. Uh, there's anyone who wants to start. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, you guys know my, you start, guys know I, I have the okay. least to talk about, so I'll start. Okay. I, I watched Star Trek. I watched, I watched the Next Generation as a kid <laughs> a lot. I don't remember much from it at all, but I watched it a lot as a kid, and I had action figures, and my famous story of um, using uh, Captain Picard as as a stand-in for, for Professor X with my X-Men toys, mm-hmm. you know, I remember Data was my favorite, that's what I do remember, and yeah, I just, it was, it was a show that I watched, that I, and I, I remember the Borg, like, storyline where Picard comes a Borg was a pretty big deal, Best of as both a kid, worlds. 
yeah. As a kid, I remember um, uh, the Doctor, uh, Crusher, and uh, Picard had a thing. And maybe that was just my perception as a kid. No, they definitely had a thing. Okay, yeah. so they had a thing, yeah. That was a thing. That's And I, I remember that a lot more than I remember Riker and Diana. Or because, whatever her name is. Because, yeah, they were in lo- <laughs> he was in love. He was, he was, Picard was in love with Dr. Crusher, but he couldn't act on it because... His actions on the stargazer or whatever led to led to her husband's death. Oh, also, that's her husband rough. was his best friend. Oh, that's really rough. All sorts of craziness. But well, I think that's what I remember from it. But I, I don't think remember Wesley Crusher at all in the books. <laughs> um, yeah, like Riker, Jordy, um, Data, Picard, Worf, Diana. I remember all those characters like pretty decently. I, t- I had toys for. Dan Troy, uh, again, sorry for getting any of these names wrong. I remember yeah. her name being, yeah. You're right. No, you're um, right. Yeah. So those are correct names. Okay, okay <laughs> cool. So I had a toy for Jordy and Diana Forge and Data and Picard. I don't think I, we had a Riker toy. We might have. I don't, I don't think we had a Crusher toy. But yeah, like, that was, yeah, it was, it, was, it was cool. I think we had a Borg toy as well. And we had, like, a Romulan. We didn't have, I think we had a Romulan toy, yeah. And I used to pretend it was a Vulcan all the time. Because I didn't really care about Romulans, but I thought Vulcans are cool. Well, and we had like, a- that's the whole point of Romulans is that they look like Vulcans. Yeah, and like, um, and then I remember like having like a red sweater that I take because the toys would come up with like the stand, which looked like the, the insignia for Starfleet. Yep. And I would take that to like this red sweater and pretend to be like a Star Trek character. <laughs> and I remember playing the Genesis Star Trek game a lot because that game was cool and. We used to like sit around and uh, around the TV and like because if, if you don't know that game at all, like you have to manage the starship. Like during fights, you have to go to engineering to like re like uh, apply to resources. reassign where it's yeah where yeah. the resources are going to like oh. heal your ship and then go back to the the, the fight and then you have to do navigating and everything and then you have a way team. So like we would sit around and like be like engineer and we'd pass the controller to a guy who's being the engineer. <laughs> And he, all he would do is like do his like quick reassigning thing and then pass it back to the guy who's piloting. But like, it was just really cool. Uh, yeah, so that's my history with Star Trek. I, I own the first season of the original series on Blu-ray. I only watched a couple episodes, and I liked what I saw, but I just never got back to watching more of it. So yeah, I want to watch the the new movies. I haven't watched like Beyond actually, but the first two movies were decent enough action movies for me. So. All right, who's next? Um, I'll go. I like also watched a lot, kind of watched. I don't know if it was a lot, but I watched a good deal of Next Generation as a kid, mostly because it was like one of those shows that was on before other things I watched. Uh, and so, like, I actually have, I'm sure I can like dig up actual made more memories of that. Uh, I did remember that uh, Jody LaForge was, uh, was also the guy from Reading Rainbow, which I thought yes. was always kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I know we had some next generation toys when I was a kid. I can go anywhere. <laughs> uh, but um, but I don't know. Like I, I, I watched a couple of the movies. I mostly just kind of just knew that Star Trek was a thing that other people knew about or really enjoyed and talked and discussed about. That's probably where the first first place I heard about a thing that is called a fandom. Yeah. Although I didn't, it, it did, I did not know exactly what that meant at the time, 
Um, toy too. I just remembered that made noises. That was fun. <laughs> and I mean, like just growing up, I just learned various things, and through cultural osmosis, I've learned, like you know, I've picked up things here and there, and start and various things about Star Trek. I mean, like how a lot of the cast of Star Trek Next Generation also do voices on gargoyles, or. Uh, <laughs> Just how, you know, people do stuff. Like how Will Wheaton still does a couple of things here and there. And you can catch him on YouTube sometimes. And Well, and you, you know what I mean. A lot of times. I think he's, I think yeah, he's I was pretty, about to say, yeah. I mean, on Geek and Sundry, he's like pretty prominent, <laughs> I think. Uh, he's on the Big Bang and, Theory. <laughs> and uh, I know like a, back like back in the back in high school and stuff and like that, I was re- reading a lot of uh, books by Larry Levin. <laughs> called the the like the man zine wars like it was basically humans versus these alien cat things and i remember reading something that apparently emrez from the cartoon was supposed to be a prototype zine that the uh zine that they were thinking of incorporating into like the star trek universe hmm. but i could have but i could have just been because this was like way back in the day when you you know any like from forums posted that it could have just been someone's fan theory. I don't know. Uh, it was actually shit. hiding under the truck. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, you oh, go that, next because I'm that. the Star Trek guy, and I'll say my Star Trek thing. Okay, I you I might surprise you with the amount of Star Trek that I'm involved that I've sort You're of involved with absorbed. personally. You were actually yeah. the key grip on this episode of Star Trek. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. For me. Uh, from a very young age, I, I watched a lot of the, the classic series because uh, my father was a huge fan of it, so I sort of gravitated to it early. Um, my family actually used to, every week, because I think it came on like a Thursday or Friday night when I was little, uh, once TNG came out, we would watch it as a family every week. Uh, the Borg cliffhanger was like really cool for me. Cause it was at that age where it was like, Oh my God, is Picard going to die? Um, so I, I've watched the entire TNG series. I've watched the entirety of DS nine and Voyager. And I did watch a bit of enterprise. I want to say halfway through the second season, I just sort of dropped off cause I wasn't really feeling it. Um, I've seen all the movies. My favorite one is four because I love whales. Um, whales are good. Yep. Let's see. I had the communicator toy, the tricorder toy, the phaser toy. I had the three ship enterprise model set. <laughs> uh, and well, you had like, I think you said it was the Jordy toy. Yeah. Jordy, I had data. I had Diana. Yeah. And I had Picard at least. I had Picard. And a and a Borg and I had a Romulan. Yeah. And, yeah. I used to say the Romulan with Spock, I said earlier. Yeah. And also I just remember that I used Diana as like, I'm Selena Kyle <laughs> before she would be like, you know, Catwoman or whatever. Yeah. Um yeah. I had Picard and I had Worf. And I thought Worf was cool because he had the bat left. And I think I've had Worf too, I think about yeah. it. Yeah. Um and I'm pretty sure I mentioned the story here where for my grade six Halloween contest, I got, I used water paint to paint my face white to be data. Yeah. 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 And then I, I walked out like I spent that evening with Jordy cause I painted one of my sister's barrettes with toll paints. 
God. I think, I think I had a random Klingon too. Now I think about it, like not there was like, there was warrior. a Klingon toy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to think what else. I missed out on Harry Kim because he's come like to this to my neck of the woods twice for like a convention, and I've missed him both times. Um. Uh, yeah, both my mom and my dad are huge Trekkies, so it's sort of been passed on to me. Uh, I've I haven't seen the latest new Star Trek movie, but I watched the first two, and like you am, I thought that they were pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I always like the. I, I find like the building blocks for me when I look back as a kid, uh, sci-fi was a big part. And I, I, I say star Wars, star Trek and, uh, and transformers, I think were like the big three building blocks for me as a kid. Uh, sure. and then reading like the novels growing up as well. And I would do book reports on the novels. So <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I've certainly enjoyed it. Okay, so I'll be quick with my background. It's actually interesting because you guys have more of a longer background. Like, I watched Next Generation and Deep Space Nine to a degree as a kid. Um, there were some times in high school when it started being on uh, Spike TV all the time that I'd spend my Friday nights uh, just just marathoning TNG or Deep Space Nine. Uh, that was right. It was on Spike. But uh, I forgot that. But, like... Really, when I got into Star Trek, uh, was when I, uh, a couple years ago, when I, when I decided to really sit down and watch the original series with the help of the Mission Log podcast to sort of digest each individual episode. And really, I, so I really gained an ex- appreciation for the original series that way, which led to me watching the original series movies, which are, are excellent. I mean, really, really all of them, except for maybe five. But even five, yeah, five's has its not moments. the best one. Even 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 that has its moments. I mean, what does God need with a starship? Is a, it's a pretty good line. cool line. Yeah. yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, it's yeah, yeah, it's not it's not the best, but uh, but it's also a little bit unfairly maligned. Um. Uh. Then and then that then I did watch all of I did get all the way through Deep Space Nine. I tried to watch uh. Or not Deep Space Nine. I got all the way through Next Generation. Tried to watch Deep Space Nine and was a little bit burnt out on it. So I haven't uh, fully resumed the binge. Uh, which is why I haven't seen all of Enterprise. Because in my recent watching, I wanted to watch everything in order eventually. Um, I've also I've also read a handful of the novels. Uh, I strongly recommend the, the novels to anybody that likes the original the original series movies and the next generation movies, they very much feel like, like, especially the, especially like the hard cut, co- the big hardcover novels feel like this is an important thing with these characters and the novels that because they, all these characters have been on a billion episodes of a TV show. It's really easy for the writers to find those voices. Um, but enterprise, um, I watched a little bit of when I was, uh, in high school when it was actually airing, um, I actually would tape Enterprise because it was on at the same time as uh, either Stargate SG-1 or Stargate Atlantis. It probably was on at the same time as Atlantis because I feel like I would have watched it over Stargate SG-1 um, at that point. Uh, but uh, but I really liked it. What I like about it is it, it's sort of 
it it gives you a different it's a different take while still inherently feeling like Star Trek. What what I need from Star Trek, you know, which is a cr- a ship on a crew or a crew on a ship rather and doing exploration a ship stuff. on a crew. <laughs> uh, but like like Deep Space 9 um at least early I guess eventually they get the the defiant and there's a little more exploration type stuff or something but like it just doesn't I don't know those characters don't aren't aren't super compelling and it just doesn't hook me um enterprise to me it it's like it's like I've always said it's it's sort of the cr- across between the feel of stargate where it's like these are humans who are I mean it takes place 100 years in the future or 150 years in the future but it's like they're not that far removed from from you and me and they're in a world of aliens with technology that is just eons and eons ahead of them. And I think that's a really interesting, like it was a really interesting concept in Stargate and then applying it to Star Trek and sort of having the, the humans be the underdogs in a way that they're not in any of the later, in, in, in any of the later timeline shows or shows. Uh, is, is just a really interesting thing. And then also, there are a hand, there are a number of like, just little, little details that are in Enterprise that I, I just, re- like little nods to the original series and stuff that I like. I, I understand the criticism that it, fe- that it's tonally slightly different. And it's super hypocritical of me to make that criticism of the J.J. Abrams movies. Um, <laughs> but, I like Enterprise, and I don't like the J.J. Abrams movies. So you like yeah. the tonal shift more there than the other thing. It's, it makes it's not yeah. that hypocritical. It's like you like they're not the same tonal shift, right? Right, right. Yeah. Also, also, I think that the Abrams movies, being the cat, the characters from the original series, um, the bar, the, Col- the bar that they it. set for themselves is is high, is a little higher, and then also like, um, like man, they they. Some, when they, when those, when those people do, they're, they're either doing impersonations of the characters from the original s- uh, series or they're unrecognizable <laughs> as those characters. So it just, well, sometimes their impressions are pretty good. The guy has bones. I really like him. The, the thing is, it's good, but it's still not him. Yeah. Totally. So, <laughs> so it, like, I, I don't. It, it, it pulls I me like out of the experience. Like, <laughs> like his. I mean, he's he's the he's the closest because he's the most consistent with it. The guy that does Kirk, um, kind of in the first movie, he made the character his own, and then in the later movies, he sort of, especially in Beyond, he sort of is trying to do his uh, William Shatner impression more and more, and it just doesn't. It just doesn't. Oh work yeah, for me. I didn't notice that at all. In uh, in uh, what was it? Into Darkness. In what? Yeah. In Wrath of Khan. In Wrath of Khan is what I was going to say, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, I I notice I mostly mostly notice those those impersonations and attempting to be the characters from the original series rather than do their their new take on it. Um, in the in the in the in Beyond, um, the one actually the one that that really doesn't bother me is is. Uh, Siler as 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 Spock, but I think that's because everyone who has ever played a Vulcan is just doing a Spock impression the whole time. So he just kind of I'm kind of used to people doing Spock impressions. Sure. Uh, but yeah, 
But I, I really do, I really do like, uh, Enterprise and I look, and I probably am going to, this is gonna, like, spur me into re, re, revisiting it. I'm especially interested in, like, this storyline of the Zindi. Um, I will, I, I did listen to another podcast. So I wanna, um, I wanna, before we dive into the episode, I just wanna, like, explain to you guys what the Zindi are. Mm-hmm. So the sure. Zindi. Which I are, looked a little bit up on the wiki about it, but go okay. on. You can you can supplement what I have to say because I, I like I doubt that because I really <laughs> just skipped it. Well, you know, um, so so basically they are all the same race. All the the bug guy and the people that look like Planet of the Apes monkeys and the people that kind of look like humans and the fish and the lizards. There's seven of them. I don't know what all of them are, but they're they're all the same race. They're within. Two percent or three percent of the same DNA. They all evolved on the same planet, um, and they have they have you, they've got their alliance that they've united. That for some reason they want to kill all the humans, which I don't know why. But that's that's basically what I know about the Zindi. But I just thought that was a oh wait, I remember role. that in the thing they said there was like some kind of uh, it's thing a they temporal from- cold war. Yeah, they know something about their history that if the humans survive, they'll their their species will be wiped out. Which explains why they're not in the original series. Because <laughs> they got wiped out. That's that's interesting. I didn't I did not know that that was a thing. I should and, and yeah. So they sent like an earlier version of this weapon to to Earth, and it blew up Florida, um, yeah. where millions of people died, and we kind of addressed that in this episode. Including yeah, it was kind of like seven million. Holy shit! Like it's yeah, that's a Wizards. lot. That's a lot of people, <laughs> and and in and especially like when you think of when you think of Earth in Star Trek, with very very few exceptions, Earth is like, like the safest place. Yeah, like with the exception, it's like first contact is the only exception I can think of that Earth was like legitimately in danger. And the fourth movie. Well, I was going to say the fourth movie. Because whales. Yeah, whales. Exactly. They don't, the, the aliens want to talk to some whales. We don't see any whales. So they're pissed. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, we're yeah. going to well, evaporate yeah. I mean, all I your guess water. The first, I guess the first movie, too. But still. Still. The movies don't count. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take your word for it. I mean, when, when they're trekking expert. across the stars, in general, I guess, and that's the other, like, those are the exceptions. Like... Like of the five year mission ships, some people in Star Trek lore say that uh that the Enterprise is the only one that survived their five year mission. Like space is dangerous. People die every episode of of Star Trek. Uh that doesn't happen on Earth. Gotcha. Alright, let's dive into the episode. Okay. I find that a little hard to believe that so, that people don't die every day on the Earth though. Even in the of future. Accidental they death. Do. Of accidental death. Or just, or just of natural causes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, like Bone in in Star Trek Four, Bones has a pill that will regrow an old woman's liver. So they're pretty advanced. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yes, getting to the episode at hand, um, we we get a bit of a, a preview of what's gone on in the past episodes because, as was alluded to earlier, this is like a seven part sort of ongoing overarching plot for the start of season three because of this whole Zindi attack on earth thing. Um, so essentially the enterprise has been trying to track down the Zindi and figure out what their plans are. And it is, it turns out, I guess they're 
they're aware that they're trying to make this super weapon to destroy Earth. They aren't um, mini Death Star, as they call it. Yeah, it, it yeah, it's All really of mini. Doom. <laughs> um, but it's like but a, we, but it's it's a is it a it's a bomb though, right? It shoots a laser. It shoots a laser. Yeah, yeah. It literally shoots a laser. It looks, it looks like it it can release energy in an explosive burst like a bomb. But it also looks like they can make it focus it like a laser. So I'm guessing yeah. it really just depends on what they want to do. Yeah, that maybe makes they're sense. overloading it at the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. They were over, so that might just be why it did a burst like that because it did start to overload. Um, we sort of see some things alluded to. Um, the the captain of the Enterprise, Captain Archer. Uh, speaks with one member of the Zindi race and convinces him to to help in sabotaging the this weapon that's being created and giving them a means to be able to to track it down and whatnot. Um, it's just like we, uh, Jin's dad in Rogue One. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say he even says that he'll help them sabotage it or something. Yeah. So really, Star yeah. Star Wars stole the idea from Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> So we we open this. I'm I'm pretty sure because I'm trying to remember in my head because I don't have Netflix open right now. We open the episode the with um, Archer with sh- in, in New Orleans trying to solve crimes that have to do with the naval, <laughs> uh, you know, military police. Uh, so the the episode opens with they're they're in the they're NDCS NDCS I don't I don't know the acronym NCIS New Orleans NCIS New Orleans yeah. No, they're, they're in an that. anomaly. My field. mom watches that all the time, and I'm like, "That's the New Orleans guy." <laughs> they're, they're in an anomaly field, and the ship gets hit with a wave of of science. That yeah, it's oh shit, well, science wave. Doesn't the, don't they? What about isn't there that scene with the Andorians first? Though? And then also yeah. the oh, Andorians are there. We don't need to go exactly. <laughs> the Andorians show up. I mean, I I, don't, I can't even see the episode because. Apparently Netflix is making our stuff. <laughs> I'm actually sitting on my bed right now, like not yeah. even near my computer. So, so, um, so yeah, we're not. We we don't need to worry about the order of things happening. We'll just get a general okay. overview. To, just to sort of shorten it up, the the Andorians <laughs> are looking for the Enterprise. We don't know exactly why, but they are. Um, and then of course we get the classic. Uh, theme song intro sequence oh my that god that was absolutely hates uh, from this <laughs> that series was so funny because like, like every other star trek theme is like this like orchestral like amazing yeah like, atmospheric thing and this was just like yeah this came out around the same time as smallville yeah. well, <laughs> i can see isn't that it like isn't it like a cover of a rod stewart song oh sure. it's, it's like the poppiest like 90s music in a Faith of the it. Heart is that what it's yeah. called, right? Yeah. Well, it's oh, by Russell like, Watson, according to oh, UltimateGuitar.com. I guess this was like uh, 2000s, early aughts, right? Yeah. 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 But yeah, like around the same time as like Smallville, and, like all those like fucking uh, when Dawson's Firefly? Creek and all, and all those different shows had like these you know poppy songs that kind of like sounded mm-hmm. like this. You know. yeah. I love this song. I don't care what anybody says. It is. I'm not saying it's bad. <laughs> it's just so different. It, it's like other Star Trek. So, it was. It was jarring and yeah. funny to me. 
Like, the, I, I'm not like I'm not like this is terrible. I'm angry. Mm-hmm. I was just like this is hilarious. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's it's different. It's got some camp to it, but I think it's yeah. uh, I think it works. Uh, also, I really really like the way that they show the evolution of the ships that are called the Enterprise, and they do a great job of of going from you know from the space shuttle to like a futuristic space shuttle to the thing from First Contact that has the warp to you know to basically the the enterprise uh i just i really love that i really love the, the opening oh to- this. totally like I, I i did get like a sense of what the series was supposed to be about from the opening and like the images they were showing yeah because and then like again like even their like uniforms like this is clearly like really early stuff like because because you got to remember just- if you want if you want star trek you when this mo- when this show comes out if you want to watch star trek You've got 21 seasons, roughly. I don't know exactly how many seasons, but uh, roughly 21 seasons of of stuff that was made in the 90s, plus three seasons that was made in the 60s, plus 10 or plus like nine movies by this point, I think, and uh, and and two seasons of the animated series, which is <laughs> which is actually very similar to. The original series. It's actually, it's like the animated series. If you've ever watched it is the original series, but it's paced better because it's 22 minute episodes <laughs> instead of, uh, hour long episodes. Wasn't the animated series essentially their way of trying to say that this is the continuation of the fire five year mission. Once it, once the live action show yeah, went off the air, yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely one of the things that they were kind of grasping at straws. And I think that's why it was so great. Cause they actually got, they actually got most of the voice actors, except for the women, for some reason, occasionally switch roles. Nurse, Nurse Chapel mm. and, uh, and Ohura, like, will do each other's voices in the, in the show, but <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> well, you know, they're women. Women all have the same voice, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Emily, it's okay. They had very small, unimportant parts. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kendall, she is getting ready to reach through that microphone and smack <laughs> you. I was trying to look for an opening to talk about Emrez, but let's go on. Okay, it's yeah. More, so, it's, it's more like I'm, I'm walking around the house that is our podcast, just pouring gasoline. So the thing, <laughs> so the, thing the, the ship gets shaken up by the anomaly field. They're going to all die, but the Andorians pull them out of, of, the, of the anomaly field. Because they're real right. good pals. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Archer's all we're we owe somebody a thank you, and then the best the best uh, like screenshot of the whole episode happens where you see Archer with antennae for like two seconds. I did like that. <laughs> that was cute. Yeah, yeah. I've actually got. I might I might get that picture to uh, to have for the episode. But yeah, it was a pretty cool picture. But yeah, so Tran is the one who who rescues them, and he winds up coming aboard and offers assistance in fixing up the ship. Sort of alludes to uh, how their ship is able to like you know move through the anomalies better because they have better sensors and their ship is stronger and it can withstand damage faster. Yeah, you Um, primitive humans. How better than you are? Pink skins. Yeah, um, they try not to use that that word too much. Yeah, he does no, interact, he just, interacting he tried, with them directly. He tries to not use it in one scene. Yeah, there's one scene and where he, he tries still to lets it. it slip. 
And then, and then after that, he's just like throwing it out willy nilly. So yeah. yeah. So we do get an extended period where uh, the Andorian crew. It doesn't really focus on too many of them. Really, it's just Shran, and then the girl, uh, the the girl uh, Talus, Le- Lieutenant She's a Talus. Lieutenant, yeah, yeah. Um, who's I think his tactical officer, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. She hits on the 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 character who's like an. Who's like the the M- M- uh, arms? Oh, Reed. Yeah, Reed. Lieutenant yeah. Reed. Yeah, he's their he's their their weapons officer, security officer, really. That's it. So he's their yeah. war. So you're telling me. Yeah. Um. Now she and Reed get off to a really rocky start, probably because you know he's been stuck trying to fix things for like the past twelve hours without like any sort of bathroom break or anything. And we established that the Andorians are, are trying are like we're going to help you, humans, kind of. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Also, also, it's kind of they don't trust them. To, well, like, no, there's, and, there's and like apparently whole... the Vulcans and Andorians are having this like yeah. feud thing going on, and like it, again, like I haven't watched a lot of Star Trek, but it almost seemed to me like like Vulcans are all logic, and these Andorians are all emotion. Yeah, it's very much like that. Um, okay. Back, back in season one. There's actually an episode where the Enterprise visits a like this Vulcan monastery planet, and they're being attacked by a group of Andorians led by Shran, uh, who in, are are like positive that the Vulcans are actually that this is like a spy station, and they've been trying to convince them over the course of the entire episode. No, no, it's a spy station. It's a spy station, and finally, like the captain's like no i don't believe it at all and within like the last 15 minutes of the episode you find out yes it is in fact a vulcan spy station and that the andorians were telling the truth the entire time they were being paranoid and so it's sort of because of that harper um archer builds a relationship with shran because he lets them sort of take some of the information from that facility and and also reports it to the Andorians. No, I, I can uh, definitely tell that him and uh, Shram have a thing going on. They've got a yeah, history. yeah, they've got a bit of a history from that episode, uh, and it certainly didn't like the Vulcans did not like that, and so there's always been this tension with the humans and Vulcans and Enterprise because of it. Well, yeah, I mean, like they mentioned that the one girl, like she's on their ship, the Vulcan, yeah. uh, she's like oh, to Paul, yeah. yeah. Yeah, to Paul. She's um, she's a science officer, and she abandoned her Vulcan post to be their yeah. science. Officer. Right. So yeah, she so she I, abandoned. I pick her up post. on the little things. I'm pretty good at observing. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. Okay, it seems like I'm getting it everything right like, here. It sounds like she abandoned her post specific because she was originally like a liaison to the to the Vulcans. She abandoned her post with the Vulcans specific to this incident. Um, yeah, where the because it, like, because Earth the Vulcans fucked over help. and the Vulcans weren't going to help them about it. Yeah, which is really shitty. The Vulcans, to be honest. Yeah, and, <laughs> well, that's, and I mean, Tran that's brings that up too. He's like, we heard about the the attack on Earth, and and she's like, oh, so you've been listening in on the communications between the humans and the Vulcans. He's like, well, when seven million people are killed on a planet, it's not exactly something that's a state secret, really. Yeah. Yeah, we saw it on so, the news. Why is there a chunk out of missing out of your See, planet? I, I can yeah. be pretty smart sometimes. Uh, Mike was quite impressed when we watched Inception. And I got the plot the first time through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you? Didn't you humans used to have a plot of land that looked like a flaccid penis at one point? 
Jesus. <laughs> going to bring that up <laughs> from the Slack chat. Ugh. Oh, I'm referring to the state of Florida, not the building that we were talking oh, about. Never mind then. Does Florida look like a flaccid penis? Sort of. Used to me. Homer yeah. Simpson says that it's America's Wang. Yeah. All right. So what happens next? So we we get for the vast majority of the episode, we see uh, the the Enterprise crew and the Andorians working to to fix the ship and sort of get it ready. They also uh, the the reason that they got damaged in the first place is because they received a signal uh, that they were tracking finally, which leads them to a quote unquote proving ground for a, uh, a weapons test. The, the various Zindi races are like sort of waiting on this character named Degra, who's like the lead engineer of the weapon development to, to do this test. And they're, they, they're shooting it at this moon and they like, they can tell from like their long range scans that, Oh, this is like a weapons test facility because there's like big chunks and craters out of this moon. Um, uh, and yeah, like in uh, Archer com- compares it to like, uh, to bikini oh, at all. Yeah, all. Yeah. I was going to say but to the setting of SpongeBob. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, ver- I, I originally, I believe that I saw, I believe that I saw, uh, Crystal post on Twitter about it, and then I did confirm with the SpongeBob wiki that Bikini Atoll is in fact the island that is the close up at the beginning of the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song. Oh my! So oh, no, oh yeah, all, yeah. That, that's the thing is that I all remember. the characters in that are mutated fish from. Yeah, now the, I remember that yeah. theory. That explains it. Sure. Yes. Let's go with that. <laughs> I, I think it's. I think it's just hard canon. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, whether they're mutated fish or not is is not necessarily canon, but it is canon that that the island is Bikini Atoll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a super clever, like multi level pun mm-hmm. with the bikini bottoms. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we do get some some interesting scenes over the course of of the episode where. Uh, Archer and Shran have dinner together in his quarters and they <laughs> share like some, some Andorian ale. Um, and they talk about, you know, trying to build an alliance, which is kind of cool. It's sort of like we're seeing some seeds because the, technically the Federation doesn't exist in this point. It's just the United Earth Starfleet and then yeah, the yeah. Vulcan High Council and, and their various services and whatnot. Um, so Starfleet isn't a thing yet. Um, Starfleet's a thing. The Federation isn't a thing. Yeah, that, sorry. Um, we do. I, there was one scene that I thought was kind of cool because, uh, as we learn over the course of of uh, early on in this season, uh, the the chief engineer uh, Tucker uh, Trip, his sister was killed in the attack on Earth, uh, so he's really wanting to to take this weapon out and you know try and sort of get a little bit of revenge i guess but i think he's he's moved past the idea of revenge and rather making sure that this doesn't happen again Mm -hmm. i felt Uh, like that's what happened again i only saw this one episode but he's definitely like the guy's like don't you want revenge like andorian who's all about emotion and he's like nah i mean like i would love to like if i got the chance i'd take it but it's more important to like stop it from happening again and it's and it's moments like that that make this star trek 
Like, like the, the protagonist characters are truly at their heart heroic. Mm -hmm. Also trip is psychically banging to pal. Just, just so you guys, in case you guys missed that line. I, I, I got that. They're like, they're, they're, they have romantic tension. I definitely got that. I, I, I get that the, the pairings in this are um, Archer and, and uh, I can't remember his name, so I ruined the joke. <laughs> Fran. Oh, Fran. Fran. Archer and Fran, and then these two, and then the engineer and the blue girl. Those are well, the romances of this to, episode. To Pal, there, it, is, it is not just tension. Tapal says three, three psychic stimulation sessions a week is not avoiding you. Well, that's or, that's. I, I mean, like, I got that. I, I, I got like that, that they were like hooking up. I just mean like they're not dating. No, it's oh, like okay. This yeah, I like, don't know. I don't know exactly where they are in that. Uh, Archer does invite that invite both of them to dinner at the end of the episode. So yeah, I, I think it's. Yeah. I think they probably are actually dating. Okay, because it felt to me more like you're avoiding me, and we're like you know we're we're sex friends, but like. Uh-huh. And maybe we want to take it further. And maybe they're kind of an on and off again thing going on. Um, I, I mean, people, people of, do know who have watched yeah. the show, but I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you want me to spoil something for you, M? Because I don't know if you'll I'm ever not going to really watch, watch the it. series. Okay. Um, if I do, I won't remember so, by that time. So for anybody listening who hasn't watched it, who intends on watching it, is you it might want to close hold your on, hold ears on. for is like the next few seconds. About, is this just a spoiler about their relationship? Sort of. It's sort of like a spoiler about the end of the series. Okay, you can you can spoil it for me then. Okay, you sure? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, um, Trip dies. He he is killed in in the uh, the end of the series. That's a pretty big spoiler, but I, just, I don't care. But I'm worried about Kendall yeah. now. You yeah, can't. Again. <laughs> yeah, there's, something to look forward to. Trip's yeah, not. There, uh, Trip's nobody's favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's I, a Wesley Crusher of a series. Um, he's more like the season three Kirk of this series without the positive qualities. Yeah. I think he, he's like, they sort of have like this on again, off again thing. And it's sort of towards the end of the final season. It's sort of like, she doesn't want to have a relationship. And so he's trying to move on and it's kind of hard. And then you sort of get hints that she's starting to come around on the idea. And then he's killed. In the final, there episode. you go. That's, I will. S- that's classic. <laughs> I will say. I will say. Trip was not terrible at all in this episode. In the first season, he is terrible. The fact that the fact that um his constant badgering of Tapau eventually got her to want to hook up with him might be a little bit problematic. Yeah, got yeah. you. Um, over the course of the episode as well, they they get the ship fixed. Uh, the Andorian tactical officer and Reed sort of, you know, they have a mutual respect for one another because they both come from military families, you know. Um, and she, towards, I want to say the last. Is your, is your mother a security risk? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a like really that good line. Yeah. Mine's higher security than I am. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, it's kind of cool though because it, it when she first comes on board, she comments about how all of their weapons are sort of like very basic and nostalgic, sort of, yeah, nostalgic technology to her. Um, but by the time they have things ready, she's like, "I would take this ship into combat." Mm-hmm. Um, but 
as we'll come to find out, there is a bit of subterfuge uh, as they prepare, like they witness a test of the weapon and it manages to split the moon in half. But that was a failure because they were trying to blow up the moon. Yeah. Into fine dust. Yeah. And the thing that I like the the perspective of the, the space shots is a bit jarring to me because over the course of like watching it, I thought, oh, geez, this weapon's like really freaking huge. And then they're like, oh, no, we're going to stick it on our cargo hold. And I'm like, Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they come to find out the thing is like the size of a shuttlecraft. Yet they took out a moon. Yeah. They they really did not do a good job perspective wise. Well, I mean, you, you say they didn't do a good job. They just did a thing. I mean, like, I don't I don't I think they were trying to go for intimidating when it was shooting at the planet so they didn't want to look at like a tiny thing see i know? i never thought it looked that big yeah my i either to be well, honest the thing i found was we never really got a good way of being able to tell the perspective i mean it was a perfectly it, respectable size mm-hmm. at least like average i would say it was above back. average mm-hmm. but like i was under the impression i was making a dick joke like a I, nobody laughed yeah. at me I, well, I, I could I couldn't really hear you because you guys are talking over each other. To be honest, <laughs> hey, I made the dick joke earlier with Florida. Okay, okay. <laughs> <Is it>? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. It, it, so the plan is because there's essentially four Zindi ships, and it's just the Andorians and the Enterprise. The plan is to sort of draw two ships off, and then. The Andorian ship, like Shran volunteers for them to pick up the weapon because apparently it emits a high level of radiation as it's sort of cooling down. And the Enterprise isn't really equipped for that until it's completely cooled down. There's no radiation. So Shran says, well, our shields, our force fields can block the radiation so we can do it. That's not a problem. And that causes a bit of tension between Shran and Archer because Archer feels like Shran's going to sort of double cross him and take the weapon for himself, which in exactly hindsight, what happened. yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly um, what happened. <laughs> but the, the kicker is, uh, because, uh, Talus sort of tries to sabotage their sensors at one point and they wind up discovering it. Well, Reed so, kind of catches her and he lets her off, but then as soon as she walks away, he's like, I'm going to double check this. Yeah. yeah. The, well, basically, everyone double-crossed everyone because they knew they couldn't trust each other. Right, right. Yeah. They they didn't trust each other, but they all were doing what they had to do in this episode. Like, Shran, yeah. Shran does not want to double-cross Archer, but yeah, his, he superiors, Archer. his superiors are making oh, yeah. it. Archer yeah. does yeah. not want to trust Shran. Archer doesn't want to let Shran aboard the ship, except for he has no other choice. And, and he knows, you know, he knows that things are going to go wrong, but they're not going to go as wrong as they would otherwise. And yeah. it's just a really, it's a really interesting thing. And, and also like up to the point, like, like pretty much like up to the point that they were, that they show Shran talking to his boss on the TV. Um, like you get the, there is no hint of duplicity, uh, no. with the, with the, Andorians and yeah. and it almost like we see that we see the struggle that Shran has. I'm confident that the, that the lieutenant ha- has the exact same struggle. But you oh know, yeah, again, does she, her she, job. She, she was not lying to Reed in in terms of like the bond they made. 
it was it was more just like that one lie where she's like, I'm just checking stuff. That was like yeah. the one lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Speaking of the monitor scenes, I thought those looked really weird because they'd always be looking off to the side and not towards yeah. the person, yeah. which is realistic. Because if you're looking yeah. at your webcam, you don't look like you're if you're looking at your screen, you're not looking at your webcam, which means that you're not looking at the person you're talking to. Mm-hmm. So that's like realistic, mm-hmm. but it was weird seeing it in a show, <laughs> which, is, right. which usually ignores that. Right. Well, probably it's because this is this show was produced when that type of technology was actually starting to become yeah. like a thing. That's what I was thinking. If they were trying to simulate, like <laughs> it's they've come maybe up, they've come a long way <laughs> since literally playing a video cassette on the with the with the responses <laughs> timed out perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so the attack that they plan is successful. They managed to to capture the weapon. Um, another thing that that Shran was kind of upset about was Archer wanted to be on his ship when they captured the weapon, uh, which gives a bit of contention. But of course, the reason for that is the underlying reason that they want to take the weapon anyway, which they still wind up doing. Did- Hang on, Did we like, skip over the mining consortium. I was, thing? I was gonna, I was gonna oh, bring that yes, up too because that's a pretty yeah. Key before scene. before yeah. they try to grab the weapon, or yeah. they before they even launch it, they try to sneak up to get, I guess, better readings with the uh, Andorian ship because yes. you know they're the Zindi don't really aren't at war or trying to destroy Andor- yeah, Andorians. So, yeah. and it's it's just kind of funny because they get noticed almost immediately. And they're like, "What are you doing here? Get out of here!" And he's just playing this thing where he's like, "Oh, there's a uh, um, archerite." Archerite. Yeah, he looks. He, he looks over and looks at Archer, and he's like, "Archerite." <laughs> it's really useful for us, and co- and we can make like lots and lots of money on there. And then there's like they're scanning us, and he's like, "Oh, oh, our our scanners are omnidirectional. Can't be helped." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's great, and because because that that scene, the way that he acts, that scene, it's. It's exactly like a like a Harry Mud scene from from uh, from the original series. Yes, like very much so. Like that sort of used car salesman and talking about because like half the episodes of the original series are about mining rights. Mm-hmm. So so having a mining <laughs> oh, consortium yeah. is 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 just so perfect. Like like but it's also but it's also like like it's moments like that again that like make this perfectly Star Trek because yes that's a hundred percent like. I pointed out specific reasons, but like you just watch it and you're like, that feels right. Like it's not oh, yeah, like it's totally. it's not like it's uh my name is uh Bob Spock. <laughs> Get it? Because I'm Spock's grandfather. Grandfather, you're right. Yeah. It would be it would be uh, ancestors and not descendants, because this is before This is a before times. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, like like as opposed to just just like throwing in constant Easter eggs or mentions or whatever, you do something that feels like it came out of the original series, but but also like it's it's an act, which maybe you know maybe that style of acting wouldn't have been an act at the time, but but still it's, it's, just, it's a, it was a great it's a it was a great scene. It was just a just a really a really great scene. Uh, what's his face is a really good actor. Oh, Jeffrey Toombs there. Helms. Combs, yes. yeah. He's not a super villain. Yeah. <laughs> um, his, way, his interactions with all of his interactions with Archer just have so much like there's just so much subtlety there. Like neither yeah. of them 
neither of them want, or like they kind of want to be friends. They ever, you know, that, that line, you know, that's how alliances are born. You know, we keep doing favors for each other is just such a great, like, like Shran, Shran wants to be, you know, Shran is, Shran hates the Vulcans. He is he loyal to, he's loyal to the Andorians and he, and he wants to be, he wants, he wants the humans as allies. He legitimately, there are very, there are very few, um, sort of, uh, antagonist aliens, alien races in Star Trek that legitimately want to be friends with the humans. The humans mm-hmm. kind of force themselves on everybody. Um, and, and, and they're kind of, and they're usually like, it's usually because they're actually portrayed as being right about everything. And, and they're the only people who aren't terrible and duplicitous and everything. So, uh, That's... even, you know, even the Vulcans are, are not, uh, are not without, are not without sin. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so they managed to, to, to proceed with this attack. Um, we do get like another cool moment too, where right before the attack, when they're working on finalizing getting the weapons up and running, uh, Talus and Reed sort of have a little exchange where she's gotten their weapons up to like, I think it's 94% efficiency or something along those lines. And I will never put it to 93. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know, if you left the, the Andorian guard, you, we'd really, you, we could really put you to use in, in Starf, in Starfleet. She's like, yes, well, if you ever left Starfleet, we, probably wouldn't mind having you in the uh, Andorian guard. So, which, which makes so, yeah, me wonder, kind of would cool. the Andorians actually accept him? Uh, I have no idea. Like the humans would definitely take an alien. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's without, but like, you really think that the Andorians are not from this episode from what I saw. They seem, for they sure. seem pretty, like they, they pretty, pretty I guess it was more of just that she would, she would uh, back him up if he actually tried. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And the gesture and everything, but, yeah. Still, yeah. still, like it just, it just like I'm kind, I'm just kind of curious because, yeah, because like you, you wouldn't like most of the most of the alien races in Star Trek are just that alien race, like they don't have humans that work for them for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they are. They're actually I, half humans from an from another timeline. Um, <laughs> uh, I um, I would like to point out like another thing with these two characters is that that was a good conversation. Was like. Yeah, he's. They're talking about their military family life, and she says like, "Oh, your parents must be disappointed in you." And it sounds like a really <laughs> dick thing, but that's like, it's clearly like that's she, not how she meant it. Because he's like, "Wait, what?" And he's all angry. But then she's like, "Oh, you know, because like this is like an exploration vessel, and your dad probably wanted you to be in military." And like she she meant it like sincerely when she said it, but it sounds like a dick thing. And then I mean, he kind of gets it. And he's like, "Yeah, well, you're not wrong." And that was a good moment, I thought. And, the, and another uh, something about that moment in that conversation in the Next Generation would have been, no, my parents are actually very proud of me because the, <laughs> we don't have a military on Earth. It's just the space exploration or something like that. Like they would say something like that. But the fact that there is that Starfleet is separate from the military is actually really interesting to me. Although it's funny that you mentioned that, Kendall, because remember – Back in Next Generation, when Picard goes back to his home after the whole or- ordeal with the Borg, uh, we we learn that his family did not want him joining Starfleet. Well, his they brother, wanted him to stay there. His brother didn't. Yeah. Which is, but it's also his brother's weird. 
Yeah. That was a good oh, episode, I, I but I don't he, remember it very much. I well, think he sort of his, alluded that his father didn't want him going either. Well, I mean, like, his brother is like, you know, it's it's a he's a dude with a magic gem in him who calls himself the juggernaut. So I mean, like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Picard, yeah, Picard, I guess The Chrism Jewel of Sidorok. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I, I feel like I mean, and I don't Charles. know. We don't know that much about <laughs> Sorry, kid. We, we don't know that much about Jordy's family, but I feel like that's what something that Jordy would have said, or that's something that like in uh, in Deep Space Nine that Bashir would have said, or or something like that. Like you know, you know what I mean. Like like they would have. Things said, aren't as clean in this. In this yeah, exa- exactly, yeah. exactly. That's that's where I'm where I'm yeah. getting where I'm going with it. It's just I just because it's I feel like this is a conversation that has happened many times before. Yeah. Oh, and actually, now that I think about it, uh, remember Spock's father, father didn't initially want him joining Starfleet either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Spock had a the fact that the fact that Spock never mind melded with his father, but Captain Picard did mm-hmm. is is like a huge is just a huge tragedy. Yeah, it is. OK, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, no, I mean, like, I, I can kind of get it, but I also haven't watched the series, so it's, I, yeah. it's I don't have the full context. So I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes that makes okay. sense. Um, <laughs> in Next Generation, the 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 actor who plays uh, Spock's father actually reprises the role in Next Generation, like the same guy from the movies uh, oh, picks cool. the role back up and plays it in Next Generation. Uh, but in Next Generation, it's discovered that he he's got like this mentally degenerative disease. Uh, and he's on a an ambassador mission, and he the disease causes him to lose control of his emotions. So he'll have um, these like really bad outbursts, like of anger and whatnot. And uh, come to find out, because uh, Vulcans are telepathic, it actually projects onto the crew a little bit. Mm-hmm. So what they wind up doing, one of the things to try and stabilize him is if he mind melds with someone who has good mental fortitude, it can stabilize him enough to do the thing that he needs to for the mission. And then, you know, then he can go home and deal with it. So he mind melds with Picard to complete the mission. So we have this scene in this episode where Picard is sitting in a chair and the doctors is is like, you know, trying to watch over him. And he goes through this gamut of emotions, like anger to sadness to grief. And at one point he's sort of like processing the thoughts of, of Spock's father. And one of the regrets that Spock's father has is that he didn't really express the love for his son. Aww. Aww. And so it's sort of, Later on in the series, when we actually get Leonard Nimoy reprising the role of Spock, he makes mention that he and his father never mind melded, which I guess is is sort of co- a common way of you know, right? It, you know, it's, it's like expressing them. it's like a combination it's like tossing the ball in the backyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, a combination of that with like a just like a like a comforting embrace with yeah. like a a meaningful deep conversation like yeah. some yeah. some combination of those things yeah. um and and it's something that you do like fairly 
fairly regular. Like you, you do it with the the Vulcans do it with lots of people. So the fact that he mm-hmm. never did it with his son is 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 kind of crazy. I mean, Spock mind melds with the Horda in in Devil in the Dark. Yes, I mean, which is like this lo- rock lava monster. Mm-hmm. Um, but what winds up happening in uh, Next Generation in the two parter that that Spock is there. Uh, towards the end of, of the two-parter, he when he makes mention that he never mind-melded with his father, Picard offers for him to mind-meld with him because he's mind-melded with his father. Yeah. So, yeah, and because at this point, we, we learn that his father has passed. Like, you see his father at the beginning of the first of, of the first part, and he's very debilitated. Like, he, he, it's, almost like all, it's almost like Alzheimer's in a sense. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, and and so at the end, one of the very last scenes of the, of the two-parter is Spock mind-melding with Picard so that he can sort of have that small piece of being able to, you know, mind-meld with his father, which is mm-hmm. really touching. So, well, well, yeah, it sounds good. That was a yeah. really big tangent, though. Yeah. That's, that's okay. Good. We're almost done with the episode. This, yeah. uh, this format's awesome. Yeah. Um, so they... Getting back to the episode at hand, um, they do the attack. the The attack is successful. They they wind up uh, crippling a couple of the Zindi ships that were guarding the weapon, and Strand's able to to make off with the weapon and store it in his cargo hold. Uh, this is then when he double crosses Archer and says that they're going to take it to Andoria, which is like the Andorians' home planet, and they have a big you know argument on the bridge of the ship uh tran says well we'll make sure that we contact enterprise because we're going to stick you in an escape pod and jettison you out there and you're not going to be able to find us because we disabled your sensors yeah you ever think it's kind of weird how like aliens and fiction are like andorians are from andorra vulcans are from vulcan humans <laughs> are from human no wait no <laughs> earth earth is it and sometimes, actually, they call people, sometimes they call us Earthlings and stuff, but like, so, yeah. Well, they, they, they have, call we you have more of a sorry. They'll, they'll, call, say, you, they'll call them Terrans. Terrans, sure, but I mean, like, you never hear another word for Vulcan. Like, there's not like, mm-hmm. I'm a Vulcan, but I'm also this race, really. You know, like I'm from Vulcan, so I'm a Vulcan, but I'm also this race. They don't yeah. ever say that. I think it's kind of uh, interesting, and yeah. like, you know, they never do that. And and any sci-fi, it's always like that. Well, I thought. I mean, I guess Mass Effect's pretty good at having, like, different planet names to the race, but yeah. I was, I was going to say, I thought um, Roddenberry, like, the Star Trek series specifically, was that because, that was because, aside from Earth, like, the race, all the races that made it to, uh, you know, uh, space travel basically just considered them all one group. Like, they didn't, do, they didn't divide themselves into, like, third or smaller, smaller categories. I thought. Well, I mean, like, oh, the Vulcans don't have, like, a cat equivalent. They call those Vulcans, too? There are cats, yes. Uh, Spock had one. Uh, but I'm saying, like, they a, a call them, like... It has but a I also name. call them Vulcans. That's what I'm saying. They don't call them Vulcans, no. are a race on Earth because like, there's so many different races on Earth that why would we just call, like... Of course we have a different so name So, y- wait, us, you're, like, you're, you're talking about species, then, right? Sure, yeah. But, uh, I mean, like... It's just funny with naming conventions in that we have the Vul- Vulcan race, their planet is named Vulcans. We have the Andorians, and their planet is named Andoria. But oh, when it comes way, to I, humans, 
when I was doing some like looking up about the Andorians and stuff like that, apparently uh, it was clarified in the in Enterprise that they there's like actually an Andor planet and Andoria the moon, and they actually come like and that and they like they live on those two those two things. Like there's like the actual planet is called Andor, and the moon's called Andoria. I do, I do like that about Mass Effect. Like I said, like that's one series where like Turians, for instance, are from Palavin or Palavin yeah. or whatever it's called. Yeah, like, they're not, yeah, they're not from Turia. You yeah. know, that's kind of cool. Um, aren't I'm trying to remember. Um, Romulans, just, I think, are have another Romulus. Name. Yeah, but they have another name for themselves. Besides, it's just wrong. Well, they, we, we do call ourselves Earthlings, so it's like are they from it's, Rom- not that, it's not that weird that they call them like. Are they yeah, from Romulus Rom- is, is a planet. Yeah, I remember yeah. that because in the first movie, it's the whole thing is that Romulus gets destroyed, so that Romulan guys will pissed. Yeah, yeah. There's Romulus, and then there's the moon Remus. Ah, okay. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's what I'm thinking of. Because uh, because it's Romulan space, you know, it's uh, Cardassi- Cardassians are uh, it's Cardassian space, and Cardassia Prime is the name of their planet. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bajorans and Bajor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's because I think it's because the planets are treated more like countries. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But I mean, like humans are not are offered more detail than than other aliens. But I mean, like maybe that's a translation thing. Maybe Vulcans do have another name for themselves in their own language. Who knows? Mm, could be right. Right. Yeah. Because it's yeah. Because it's a, 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 you're talking English uh, <laughs> universal translator yeah. and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um. So. Getting back to the episode, we, we get um, to close out the argument between Archer and Shran. Archer decks Shran. Um, he doesn't knock him out, but Shran sort of gets knocked back into his it's captain's a, chair, and he's got it's a, a bloody, bloody lip. Yeah. This is where we see the blue blood. Yep. He's royalty. That makes sense, though, that they would have blue blood with a blue pigmentation of a skin. Although it's funny because Vulcans have green blood. Yet I know. Vulcans don't make skin. sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah so archer's put into an escape pod he's picked up by enterprise and pretty much he knew that this is what they were what their plan was like he had planned accordingly and so reed had been keeping a close eye on talus and noticed her trying to secretly sabotage their sensor array and he was able to fix it so as shran and had at the Greg? start of the episode yep I mean, you cut out for me, but as long as you didn't cut out for Ken, oh, you No, fine. you cut out. Oh. You cut out. Say what you're saying again. Oh, no. No. I think um, the Ferengi homeworld is a different... Oh, the Ferengi homeworld's for Ferenginar. I don't think so that's you, right. That's... How do you spell Ferengi? Uh, F-E-R-E-N-G-I. Yeah. Okay. How did I know that? So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Where did I cut out for everybody? Oh, Greg was uh, right. Uh, I, Sorry, something. I will stop. I will stop. I swear there was another thing. I feel like you just started the <laughs> sentence you were going to say, and then it was mostly just silence. Okay, so you didn't hear me talking about how Archer knew that the that this is what their plan was no. all along. Okay, that part. okay. So yeah, Archer Archer gets back onto the ship. He meets up with Reed and T'Pol, and basically reveals that he knew that that, or he suspected this is what the plan was. Uh, Reed makes mention that he fixed what uh, Talos was doing to sabotage their sensors. And so they're only they're They're going to catch up to them in like 15 minutes. 
we then cut back to the Andorians who are moving through the, the anomaly field from the start of the episode. And sure enough, the Enterprise catches up to them. Archer hails them. Because they had to slow down. Yeah, because they had to slow down through the for the anomaly field. And Archer, you sort of wonder if he's bluffing because essentially what happens, what it comes down to is uh, Shran's like, I'm taking the weapon. There's nothing you can really do about it. We got the better ship. And Archer's like, well, you kind of screwed yourself because when you were using giving us all your sensor information earlier so that we could scan this stuff, we intercepted the command codes for the weapon. So we can actually turn it on while it's in your cargo hold and destroy your ship. The yeah. Horda. The Horda is from Janus 6. There you go. Okay. There's one. Yeah, and <laughs> Trans, like, you you wouldn't risk destroying the, the device and yeah. and them and stuff like that. Yeah. And so he's oh. he's essentially calling Archer's bluff. And Archer says, okay. And he orders Paul to activate the weapon. Sure enough, it activates. And so... They literally only have 30 seconds to get rid of it. They wind up ejecting it with, I think, 10 seconds left and try and, and of course, they can't move very fast. So they're trying to move away. Enterprise is already far enough away that it, it the damage is going to be minimal for them. Yeah, Cl- it, it discharges much Kronos. differently from when it blew up the moon, too, like yeah. you were saying earlier. Like yeah, it, it just sort of it's explodes. Some kind of, yeah, like white bursts from it, which yeah. I think... I think, like, as we were talking about, I think that was just its way of getting rid of the extra power of the overload, like a failsafe before it just blows itself apart during an overload. Yeah. Yeah. So, Shran's ship is caught sort of like in the energy blast uh, from the overload. And it basically, well, not quite disables, but they're running on auxiliary power. Yeah. Um, I think I think I think later on Archer describes it as I'm limping away. Yeah, because <laughs> essentially what happens after the weapon blows up, he has he hails them again, and then we cut to an, another scene where he's like updating his log and saying that Shran uh, politely rejected their their offer of assistance after they were damaged. Um, come to find out, though, someone on Shran's ship had done a full scan of the weapon while it was there and had sort of hidden a signal in sort of like subspace interference for the enterprise to receive. And so they've got a blueprint of the weapon now, now, whether, now, whether it was Shran or Talus or somebody else on the ship, it's not really revealed, uh, what somebody there did. So you sort of know that, Okay, maybe they had orders to do it, but somebody there didn't want to take the weapon. So, yeah, that was pretty much the episode. Okay, so Not in case you guys, in case you guys missed that, Klingons are from Kronos. Yes. Oh. Um, and well, I thought that Zindi might have a thing, uh, but I did find the name of the different Zindi races. So we have Zindi primate, Zindi arboreal. Zindi reptilian, Zindi insectoid, Zindi aquatic, and Zindi avian. Cool. So, a lot of of Zindis around. (laughs) So, yeah. um, Overall, not too bad an episode. Seems fine. Seems like, I mean, seems like I had a kind of good time watching it. I, I could follow it reasonably well for being someone who has not watched any Enterprise ever. Mm hmm. So that's good. That means it was well written enough. 
Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, what did you think? I actually kind of liked it. I mean, I thought for something that like I just first saw, like not not seen anything of Enterprise beforehand, it was well enough structured that you know the opening like last time gave a good follow up, and I was able to follow everything. So, so like I wasn't like confused or anything. Uh, and I don't know. It just seemed interesting. It definitely had that like you know the whole idea like oh the Federation isn't made, so people are still kind of like have these cold this cold war kind of thing where everyone's worried about stepping on others others toes and there's there's alien races that are out that if they get advantage will destroy you that kind of thing and yeah. so you know the cloak and dagger and, and uh well we don't trust you but we have to do this anyways kind of thing was was kind of apparent and kind of cool yeah although it is kind of neat too to see these sort of building blocks of what's going to what we know is going to be the Federation. So it's kind of neat to see the seeds being planted, so to speak. And, and because, and since I was talking about it before, it also kind of is neat to see that the practical effects at this point made the, the, the antennas actually like emotive. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like when they, when they were you say emotive, the dra- I see like more random, but yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, I mean like when they were take when they did the the drinking, like the drinking the Indianel, like you know how like uh, Archer makes like a face because you know it's strong. Uh, Trant doesn't exactly do that, but his his antenna just go wild. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like I mean, and there's there are times when like because like I said, it's it's something I was paying attention to because it was a I was interested in it. Uh, like there are times when like they they punctuate things and stuff, and they're and the antenna actually like move a certain way. Like they'll suddenly like like jerk in surprise or 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 wave in a general direction as they trail off and kind of things. So yeah, yeah, I mean yeah, a lot of it was just random waving, but they seem to actually take some time to kind of actually use them to emote mm-hmm. as well, which I think mm-hmm. is a really nice thing to do with the practical with such a practical effect. Yeah, as opposed to when. <laughs> like the early days of, of Star Trek and Star Trek Generation where it was just makeup and, and putting things on people's foreheads as, as, right, as, right. as where they would just goes. be static. Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree with you, Jordan. I think that the uh that the um the antennae really do a good job of, of adding cool. a layer of, of of emotion and acting and whatnot. This episode was great. The show is great. That's <laughs> yeah, all I have to I say. I think we, we were talking about that off mic too, like how a lot of our uh how we always heard like <laughs> me specifically is that all i've heard is people hating on enterprise and this is like and you guys point out this is third season so of course they would have gone like more into a groove by then but you know things like this just makes me wonder like why uh if you know why they why there was so much like people hating on it all the time like i mean i could imagine like maybe in the first couple of episodes in that but it's because it was different yeah people didn't like it being different and there there's some i mean in the in the one of the in the first season, they have a, a decontamination chamber where they all sit in their underwear and rub each other with lotion. Yeah, it sounds like a plus. That's kind of that's kind of a, a like a thing that people don't like. Also, Trip was pretty insufferable in the first season. So I mean, there's there's stuff, especially early in the season in the series, that was bad. And then also people doing their their sort of where does this fit in continuity? Uh, there's like the Romulans sort of show up, although they technically don't show up or something like that. And like, 
you have the contact with the Klingons, but you're supposed to have first contact with the Klingons in the original series or something like there's stuff like that that also they, they isn't, isn't Enterprise where they explain why the, or no, that, or is that, or is that in Deep Space Nine that they explain why the Klingons look different now? Uh, I think it is Enterprise. There's a mutation. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes. Cause, um, uh, the actor who plays Uncle Phil in Fresh Prince, uh, guest stars on an episode and he's like a Klingon geneticist. Who talks, who sort of, yeah, I, I, I only saw bits and pieces of that episode, but I think that's where it comes from is, gotcha. is from that. And Worf sort of actually kennel because in Deep Space Nine, when the crew of that show goes back in time to the classic series, to the Tribbles, uh-huh. uh, they, the Worf is with a bunch of the crew in that station and they see the earlier types of Klingons and like they're Klingons and Worf's like, we don't talk about it. <laughs> I think you mentioned that before. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, which is, which is a better explanation to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but also like, whatever, you know, do what you, it, to me, to me, uh, as once you get past, once you get past about 20 seasons of a show, <laughs> um, I think that you can, you can mess with continuity if you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like say if you wanted to make the doctor a female. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's messing with continuity. That's a new thing. That's a, that's a new development. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with you know, like you got you can't put yourself too much in a box in these prequel things. So like whatever, mm-hmm. just take up a grain of salt. I'd say. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy what we saw. So um, we got questions and stuff, or we got a news post and we got questions. Okay. Yep. Do you, really do you want to do the big Greg? news post? Yeah, I can yes. certainly do the news post. <laughs> okay. All right. Let should me I, should I do it my old timey voice? Uh, I think we'll hold off on that. <laughs> what? Was that too much? No, not at all. You know, and the trackers. Have you noticed? No. <laughs> you, you know, the old timey voice. You think it was? You think it was interesting on the episode? I edited it at one point five speed, uh, so. <laughs> That really sounded fun. Mm. <laughs> That's what I normally edit it as. We all sound very funny when, when I listen at 1.5 speed. <laughs> uh, but yes, so we've got a, a news post courtesy of Lady K. Hirsch on Twitter. Uh, Casey. Thanks, Casey. Thanks, Thank Casey. you. So she opens up with, hey there, Trekos, have you noticed how much the number two has been central to the plot of the last few episodes? Because I sure have. Transmetal 2, Dinobot 2, Cheetor starting on T and going through second puberty, <laughs> Black Arachnid dealing with her double identity as both a Maximal and a Predacon, Shran actor Jeffrey Combs playing two different reoccurring characters in Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Enterprise being... Coming out for me, Greg. Oh no, oh, no we lost again. Greg again! Oh no! What is Star Trek Enterprise being? Well, while we wait, I wanted to mention that I, I still find it... Ab- Rather interesting that Whoa. Jeffrey. Hello. Oh no! Still. Did Greg die? I don't know. Oh, Greg! Use your samurai sword. We we can't hear you, Greg. Wait, wait. What was that? Oh, his, up. His, his mic cord cu- came out. Okay, oh, well, so that would be one bad. Mo- so a moment as 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 is there. I, I, oh, what I was gonna say was odd. Uh, Can you hear I, me I, now? Yes. yes. Oh, phew. Okay. 
Do, do we want to try that again then? Yeah. J- Jordan, why don't you finish your thought? Uh, I was just saying, like, I just found it interesting that Jeffrey Combs was like in a bunch of the old sci-fi Spanish-American uh, Reaminator ones, like Reaminator, Pride of the Reaminator, and and Reaminator Beyond, and. That's why I posted that one video, because me and my friends just find that absolutely hilarious how that was like on this uh, Beyond Reanimator, which was like in 2003, and uh, like it only premiered on like sci-fi. So it's just like a corny thing. (laughs) So, yes. So uh, getting back to to the news post, uh, Star Trek Enterprise being the only series unaffected by the split into two timelines caused by the Abrams Star Trek movies. Enterprise going by two different titles and having two different versions of its theme during its run. Uh, to Paul and Trip being the worst and most forced at Star Trek couple with the least chemistry in existence. Nice. The entire Zindi conflict arc being ham-fistedly inspired by 9-11 and the fall of the Twin Towers. Uh, oh, really? Huh. Last, <laughs> yeah. last week's two podcast episode releases, the list goes on. Because of this... She is declaring that this week's news theme is double headlines. Every news story will come in relevant pairs. Fun stuff, right? So let's get started on the double. Wink. Prepare for trouble. (laughs) No, Uh, that's right. (laughs) Um, First up, a double dose of Masterpiece News. Uh, Last week, both the Toys R Us exclusive MP10 Optimus Prime and MPM3 Bumblebee hit the shelves at public retail after the former made an appearance on sale at San Diego Comic-Con. To clarify, MPM equals Masterpiece Movie, so this is the Bayverse B. Oh, yeah. Uh, as some in the Discord group may have seen, uh, Casey was lucky and was able to pick up the Masterpiece 10 Optimus Prime at her local Toys R Us, finally nice. adding the fan favorite figure to her collection. Uh, she goes on to, to wish me luck and anyone else listening who might be looking to pick up Masterpiece 10 as well. All you B fans out there. Uh, so Molly. Yeah, I'd probably try getting that one as well, despite not being a big movie fan, if I didn't just drop a huge chunk of change on Prime. Sadly, with me having to pay for a sharp sword, I'm probably not going to be able to get Masterpiece Prime anytime soon. Oh. Uh, Oh, well. Um, While that was practically a double headline in and of itself, there's more Masterpiece news to be had. While this is only the third time that the U.S. has officially gotten the Masterpiece 10 mold, Japan has gotten different versions of it more times than she can count. Most most bizarre have been the numerous trailerless releases in odd colors in collaboration with Japanese clothing company A Bathing Ape. Uh, She goes on to to link that image that we saw earlier of the the green uh, Optimus Prime cap there. Camouflage and stuff. Yeah, weirdly enough. Yeah. Again, fair color. So, yeah, yeah it, it um, looks pretty neat. She she goes on to say, but this time around, Takara is collaborating with a different company that we might have heard of, Seven Eleven. <laughs> yeah, right. I've been there a few times. Yeah. The, <laughs> we don't have Seven Elevens out here, surprisingly enough. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's one around here. It's just I haven't been to it in a very yeah. long time. It's the only place in town that's twenty four seven. Um, she, she goes on so to say, that's right. <laughs> it's not 7-Eleven, no, oh. technically. It's 7-24. called 7-Eleven. 
Yeah. Uh, Takara and Japanese 7-Eleven stores are coming together to bring people MP711 Optimus Prime. And she she goes on to link that as well. Uh, Which is kind of a nice thing, like mostly white and silver trim with some blue highlights and accents. Mm. Um, While this 7-Eleven-themed release of Masterpiece 10 Mold is definitely a bit bizarre, it actually has a lot of advantages over some of the previous weird MP10 brand collaborations. Uh, This Optimus is done up in a 7-Eleven-themed paint job, primarily using the company's signature white and green. However, he also features some blue and robot mode, making him a dead ringer for G1 Ultra Magnus' inner robot body. So that's sort of from the comics for folks who... We didn't uh, yeah. know that as well, like the very the original, original G1 Ultra yeah. Magnus as well. I remember having the toy, and it was a, yeah. like a white Optimus Prime that was the truck that pulled the trailer. Yeah. Uh, despite it practically being a tradition to redeco every Prime figure in white and release it as Ultra Magnus, this surprisingly hasn't happened with MP10 yet, meaning that for some people, this could potentially fill an important gap in their collection. He also has an optional 7-Eleven logo sticker for the shoulder where his auto brand would normally go. But you can still put an auto brand there if you're going for that authentic Magnus look. He also comes with a 7-Eleven themed version of the trailer, roller, and spike figure included with the original Masterpiece 10. These accessories and pieces are almost always omitted in other recolored re-releases of this mold. As weird as this cost promotion is... It's the kind of weird that I that she can totally dig. For fans of 7-Eleven and fans of G1 Ultra Magnus, rarely seen in fiction, but overrepresented in toys uh, in her white body, you'll be able to pick it up exclusively in Japanese 7-Eleven stores when he's released in February of 2018. Oh, so you got down to my local, my local Japanese 7-Eleven store. Yeah. You, you have a year to get there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, up next, we got a double dose of double doses of that their cinematic news. Uh, first up, filming for the Bumblebee movie began yesterday. Uh, so that's right. It starts on July 31st when this recording was initially going to happen. Uh, <laughs> ends on November 15th. This puts it at two months shorter than any previous Transformers film, which all were filmed over six months. Uh, they're really, really trying to get this one out quick and cheap. Uh, more importantly, we've learned of another very important uh, addition to the movie's cast. This movie will feature a very special actor. And his name is John Cena! John Cena! Uh, so that's, did we, did, did we pause long enough for the theme song? Oh yeah. I can get it in there. That, that won't be a problem. Okay. Um, that's right. The 25 time WWE champion and make a wish champion. John Cena will be a part of the main cast of the Bumblebee movie. No word on if he'll be playing a human or voicing a bot. Now I've heard that he is going to have like a human role. Uh, now I can't, confirm that for sure but i'm pretty sure that when you get an actor like john cena you're not going to have him just do a voice unless he's selling pistachios because then he's animated like an elephant <laughs> well they had him okay. doing a voice in the scooby-doo movie that's true well he of wasn't course, himself but he was, yeah, playing he was himself in that movie 
Um, um, and Shaggy and Scooby surfed on him like a four. Yeah, I don't understand. Of course they did. Well, yeah. I I didn't under, I did not realize wrestlers were so buoyant. <laughs> you wouldn't think so with all that muscle mass. Yeah, mm. I think you'd be better. But uh, Casey goes on to say that she she's sure he'll be five knuckle shuffling any Decepticons he comes across. Uh, she does kind of hope that he'll voice someone like Mirage if they make an appearance in the movie, uh, because Mirage can, of course, turn invisible. So he can say, you can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> this is me doing the hand motion in front of my face. That would be pretty great. Um, our next movie, Double Dose, is more focused on character appearances in the movies. Uh, we will now have official confirmation that Bumblebee will, in fact, be a VW Beetle in this one. Uh, no Im- images of what he'll look like yet, but she's excited to see how the movie handles him with his classic G1 alt mode. Uh, much more relevant to the podcast at hand, at least it would normally be. Uh, there was some concept art that was released from the last night that featured a beloved Beast Wars character. And it was none other than the big bot himself, Optimus Primal. And this was linked on our Facebook. Yeah, it's uh, some really nice concept art, too. It is, looks amazing. They looks pretty they cool, put, yeah. They also put, like, a person for scale, so it looks like... Yeah. He looks definitely he looks giant. like a king. king yeah, Kong-ish. yeah, he looks, he looks bigger feel. than, like, normal Optimus in this one. Yeah. And this actually... Again, this is his, like, beast form, too, and beast forms tend to be shorter than the yeah. robot. Yeah. Um, and actually credit to Arthur Fain as well. Cause he was the one who, who linked it on our Facebook page. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it looks really, really cool. Um, well, I like how the head kind of has like, um, accents and prime in it. Yeah. But uh, it's still got like a sort of gorilla face. Oh, it's it. still definitely a gorilla face, but it looks, yeah. it looks like a gorilla wearing primes helmet. Yeah. <laughs> um, Casey goes on to say no clue how far he actually made it into the process before he got cut. Uh, but she's got to admit he looks pretty cool, which I agree with. Uh, she especially digs how his head is basically a jumbo version of movie prime's head, but with a gorilla face. Yeah. Uh, there you go. She asked, would we like to see primal or any other beast wars characters show up in whatever movie they're making after the bumblebee movie? And I, my answer is hell yes. I'd yeah, love like- to see them try something. Like yes. Primal, Gr- Grimlock, and Megatron, like fighting it out, like Beast Wars, Gr- Megatron, like fighting yeah. it out would actually be kind of interesting. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Um, I don't want Michael Bay attached to it. I would love to see <laughs> a different director that isn't going to just ham it up with explosions and rah rah America. Um, but I, I would definitely love to to see a Beast Wars movie, especially if they had like designs similar to that. Yeah, yeah. I'll take any at be, any time that a transformer transforms into not a car uh, <laughs> is better than when they transform into a car. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Casey's got some some Hascon news as well here. Um. Did Has- we? Has- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did uh? I don't know if this is in the news post or not, but it's kind of news. Did you guys see the the link to the article about the transgender transformers? Oh, yeah, 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 I did see that. I didn't get to read the article itself, but I find it kind of. I thought that was kind of neat because I think you mentioned how M, how like in general, like the the first when the when they first were doing that, they never they really just kind of defaulted them as as male, 
And then they're just, it was great how they are actually kind of addressing that, where like they were like, you know, we kind of realized as we met more and more species that, you know, we're not. And so, yeah. like, and so, like, it just fits, it just fits better to consider that. And I thought it was kind of neat. I didn't read the article, but I, uh, I was meaning to, but I did read the pages that addressed yes, the trans thing. I and read they the were really good. As well. Those were yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I thought those were, like, really well done. And, great and i like it i am not sure if it impl- i'm not sure if it implies that all female transformers are trans but it definitely it definitely well, introduces trans to transformers which i like <laughs> lots of lots of times well like elita one and those ones they were always like a like a rare group in G- generation one stories right yeah yeah like they, they, they were always rare yeah yeah so i i don't know like yeah, I got. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be, I'd be fine with either way if there was like, if there's some transformers that are just they, 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 they're from protoforms. They have a female frame and blah 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 blah. But then like some, some, some of the ones that like you know are assigned male at protoform change <laughs> they decide they want to <laughs> present female later. The, the, both those are assigned at boot up. Those are all cool. Yeah, and it was handed very well in the comic. Like, yeah, the, the conversation was really good. Yeah, and they and they kind of they kind of like established it. They 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 addressed it, and then they moved on. Like it was like yeah. three or four panels. It wasn't like a very special issue of Transformers. Yeah, this Ooh, one you should read cool. with your family. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, the for as far as the the Hascon news. Um, just to, to follow up with last week's leaks, uh, we now have confirmation that not only will, uh, the Xiaomi Optimus Prime power bank be a Hascon exclusive, but that it will also work as a functional 6,500 amp battery for phones, tablets, and etc. Uh, even cooler, you can use this functionality in robot mode and plug the cord into his sword to power a light up feature. That's so uh, cool. Uh, it's so it's, cool. it's oh, like sorry, a backup. Po- I was gonna say so. It's basically like a backup power source thing that turns into Optimus Prime. And yeah, that, it's like a and power it actually bank. and it actually powers things. Yeah, yeah. I have a powering uh, on my cool. desk right now, and yeah, it's like yeah. this could transform into a toy. It'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, as cool as it is, though, uh, th- at fifty bucks a pop, she thinks she'll probably stick with the cheaper alternatives when it comes to charging her phone. I mean, uh, I bought my power bank for like thirty dollars. Not that yeah. much more. Yeah. Uh, if, I, if I need a new power bank, I might get that. It, it does seem pretty cool. All right. We're back. We had to sort of reset things because the recording stopped for a minute. Um, so picking up with Lady K's uh, news post, uh, this time around, Rat Trout's great aunt is a pretty, pretty heavy retool of TR Blur Mold and her Titan Master Lenad, or Daniel Backwards. I forgot that his RC, or was his aunt. Yeah, it is based on Daniel Witwicky in his exosuit from the G1 cartoon, where he eventually became RC's headmaster in one of the final episodes. It's like if the Bram Stoker's uh, headmaster was Alucard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get that joke because I saw the show. 
<laughs> um, she she does Absolutely, go on to yeah. say, yeah, that was a good show. Um, she does say, well, I do kind of already own all three previous toolings of this mold. I'm still going to definitely pick this one up whenever it hits retail. Uh, she goes on to say, what can I say? I'm a big RC fan girl. And also just a big fan of Lady Transformers in general. Plus yeah, the totally. T- plus the TR Blur mold is good enough mold to warrant multiple purchases considering how much difference there is between each version. Uh, she then uh, includes an additional pick uh, not included in the article so we can check out Leanad in robot mode. Uh, Neat little well, headmaster robot. And- yeah. Now, while that's last of the solely Transformers-related stuff, there are two more con exclusives that she wanted to highlight. Uh, the first is a $30 three pack of con exclusive Hasbro themed magic, the gathering cards. The three theme cards are the sword of dungeons and dragons, nerf war and the double sided Grimlock Dinobot leader and Grimlock ferocious King card. Uh, maybe these cards will get Molly to change her tune about beast wars <laughs> And actually, she did link those cards. She she added me in our Slack chat to, to let me know about those, too. <laughs> um, the sword card, along with some other D&D-themed cards, will also be appearing in the upcoming Magic set Unstable later this year. Uh, she what? Then, They're doing uh, another Unset? Oh, my God. They yeah. really want me to get back into Magic, don't they? <laughs> those fucking jerks. <laughs> um, she does provide us w- with some additional pictures uh, showing up the showing off the art from both sides of the Grimlock card. They look uh, really nice. Yeah, <laughs> Dinobot's uh, ancestor is looking pretty good in this awesome art. And speaking of D and D, she thought she would include the last exclusive for Jordan's sake. It's a twenty dollar My Little Pony theme set of ten sparkly pink dice. Comes in a storage tin featuring the main cast of Friendship is Magic, all dressed up for their own D and D campaign. Uh, That's for, rar- yeah. for rarities. A rogue, uh, uh, Applejack's a ranger or barbarian, depending. Uh, oh, go on. I'm sorry. I was just bu- just <laughs> muttering to myself here. It's probably yeah. Sparkle, a sorcerer, um, or a wizard. Probably a wizard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, she she not says it's not. Not necessarily something that she's into, but it's pretty cute, and she knows that you're a fan, Jordan, so she wanted to make sure that it was thrown in. Um, There's some other exclusives involving Star Wars and Marvel, but nobody really cares about those properties anyway, right? So, so see any exclusives that we like, anything any of you would want to grab. I might like to get that uh, tin if I could. I definitely want to try and get the Grimlock card, but I don't know if 30 bucks for the and all those other cards hmm. yeah i was gonna say like I, I was talking to molly about it while we were recording i was like i don't want i heard this grimlock card i'd love to get that she's like it's probably pretty expensive and i'm like five dollars is too expensive for me right now so yeah. it's just it's just me like saying i'd like to have it but yeah yeah um so in closing uh, she wanted to pose a question for us. Uh, how come Enterprise was seemingly unaffected by the timeline split when things like the first Contact movie and the whole temporal Cold War thing directly affected the show and should therefore have had events in the series turn out differently without the other future timeline causing them to happen? Uh, she knows that it's time travel stuff in Star Trek is bullshit, but come on. <laughs> She closes with, alrighty, until next week, live long and roll out. She then transforms into the Defiant and Ollie's out at Warp 9. 
I mean, like, isn't the whole thing with the time travel that, like, Enterprise happened way before any of the events of Star Trek movie? Enterprise happens after the first Contact movie. Because the Next Generation characters go back in time to First Contact. So if if the timeline for Next Generation is altered, then it would would mess with the... With the Next Generation timeline. I mean... Um, I will say, I will say, uh, the point of the next gener of, of first contact was for them to not alter the timeline. Like they yeah. were, they were intentionally trying to maintain things. So perhaps the Borg didn't go back in time. And so things were allowed to move forward regularly. Um, also, uh, anything having to do with that guy, what's his name that, uh, was the first warp guy from first contact? Oh, uh, Zephram Cochran. Zephram Cochran. Any stories with Zephram Cochran in them, uh, you have to kind of take with a grain of salt because there are at least three separate versions of him. There's, there's, uh, there's the one from the original series. There's who bears literally no resemblance to the one from, uh, Next Generation. Uh, and, uh, and then there's also the one from the Federation novel, uh, which is, I think he's supposed to be the same. He might be similar to the one from the original series because that's what the only one that existed when that novel was written. But he's kind of also a different take. So mm-hmm. uh, if, there have been continuity problems with him forever. So he doesn't count. Um, also, so also, I do twist- kind of like so- the idea that the two things that like Star Trek purists don't like Enterprise and the Abrams movies are the only ones that matter now. That's kind of like a, a good, <laughs> a good fuck you to Trekkies, which, you know, as a Star Wars fan, uh, you know, I don't, I can't, you know, I might also be a Star Trek fan. I might, some people might call me a Trekkie and I don't think I'm quite there, but, uh, you know, still, still, it's a, you know, nice little middle finger. So I was going to say the timeline's as convoluted as a Summers family tree. I don't know. Summers family tree is pretty convoluted. Um, you mean like Summers from like X-Men? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Uh, and also all, the other thing is, I mean, uh, Star Trek is the original continuity. Like I know there were things before it that had continuity, but like, it, it's it's like one of the original properties that like had conventions and said you know this episode happened on this exact date based on blah 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 and you know if if this happened in this episode and that's is this da, 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 and this book was written in between the events of episode of season three episode four and season three episode five like all that all that like sort of nerd cliche stuff came out of the of the star trek fan community so uh you can so that argument i think i think though i think the the real answer is that in first contract there first contract in first contact (laughs) they were they were trying to maintain the timeline um and so and therefore um because the the only thing i mean the thing is they got zephram cochran's ship to work and zephram and zephram cochran's ship worked Without the Borg murdering everyone, so if the Borg didn't murder everyone, then it was fine. Yeah. Probably, uh, probably in the next Abrams movie, uh, Captain Kirk will kill all the Borg with a uh, doing a uh, jump on a motorcycle. 
Okay, next question. Sorry, I rambled about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a couple. Uh, we have a comment and a couple questions. Uh, I put out a question where basically I mentioned that we were watching an episode of Sam Beckett leaping into a starship pilot because <laughs> I had to make a quantum leap joke. Uh, but Lady K actually gave us a quick comment where they uh, mentioned how they <laughs> they forgot about. Uh, all the, about all the pe- the crew people who weren't Archer, and basically went on to explain his shitty asshole Southern deputy Vulcan gal, where Doc and and Papa and Pupper. I love that Pupper. <laughs> uh, but we also have a question from Gwen, uh, username uh, at Witsaru. Hi, Gwen. And they asked, Gwen. Were there actual Vulcans in this show, or were they just secret Romulans? They always seemed like m- emotional jerks. <laughs> um, I, think, I think at this, I think though, to, for to pull to be a uh, secret Romulan, it would have to be even a secret to her because she sh- she sort of identifies as a Vulcan. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't Romulans, think that the, the Romulans didn't interact with the humans until the events of I don't remember which episode <laughs> it was. I don't remember the name of the episode, but the one where the one where they revealed that Romulans look like Vulcans. And and then there's like a guy's like wait Spock looks like a Vo- looks like a Romulan he must be bad and Kirk's like don't be racist asshole. <laughs> it's a good well, as it turns out, they're like distant cousins if I remember correctly. Yeah, so Spock speak. based on yeah it's like it's like Spock sees sees her on a view screen and she's like hmm they must be a distant cousin of ours because we look similar like. Like he like jumps right to that conclusion like in that episode with very little very little basis for it. But yeah, I think there is lore. There is lore that they they split off. Um, but I I really I also it it sort of tells how deliciously quaint uh, Star Trek the original series was because it postulated that there was a war between the Romulans and the humans. But neither side ever saw one another, and they brokered tru- the truce over um, over radio contact because they had faster than light travel, but they didn't have Skype. <laughs> oh my! I was going to ask if if the whole Romulans are distantly related to Vulcans or vice versa. If that was a genetic drift kind of thing, you know, like maybe a founder family. Uh, population got got away and then they just took over a whole planet and okay never mind i guess no one yeah. else cares about the next yeah. i don't remember <laughs> yeah i don't remember if there's i don't yeah i don't remember if there's a if there's a specific story to it because like i read spock's world which has a history of vulcan in it yeah. uh, uh but that but they didn't mention romulan stuff it's just i th- think if i remember correctly um, what it was is there was an offshoot of the Vulcans who were more, more along the lines of, you know, this is stupid. Why do we want to suppress our emotions back in our past? We are extremely violent, emotional people. Oh, oh, and that's why reunification. That's what, that's yeah. what they were fighting for yeah. next generation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you're right. So there was a sect that went off and colonized another planet that turned into the Romulans, and yeah, then we get the whole reunification oh. two-parter and whatnot. So, 
Well, how many was in this sect? Because, I mean, if it's a small thing, the genetic diversity might cause a lot of problems. Yeah, that's uh, why they're all fucking crazy. <laughs> I think, it, no, was, yeah, no, I think no. it was a pretty big sect, if I remember correctly. I think it was like a, a few. I think it, it's been quite a few generations that have been on Romulus. I want to say it was it was quite a few. If they were, if they still like, well, no, I was going to say if they can still interbreed with other humanoids, they could probably still get more genetic uh, diversity. Diversity, yeah. Yeah. And anyways, that that was just a thought experiment. Anyways, <laughs> um, so then we also got a question from Riley, maybe, uh, mm-hmm. at, with username at Profound Pants, and they ask, "Why is he leaping into the space captain person? That seems rude." Or is he leaping into them, as in doing the do? I think that was autocorrected to do. It might have been D. But, uh, that's unless they do drink Mountain. Well, you know, they they do drink that uh, blue liquid, so I guess that is Mountain, uh, Mountain Dew flavor, isn't it? Oh yeah, that could be Mountain Dew Voltage. Yeah, yeah most most so drinks in Star Trek look like Mountain Dew of some sort. <laughs> yeah. Um, my ha, guess is that ha, ha, ha. what's that? It is green. <laughs> My guess is that he was leaping into uh, Archer because he uh, had to fix the timeline to make sure the first contact did work or whatever. Oh, I don't know. He had to try and fix things because of the temporal cold war. Yeah, but we we never get to see uh, Alan Ziggy off yeah. to the side. Those those long moments when he when when Ca- when Captain Archer's just kind of staring there listening or whatever is actually when Alan's just yelling at him. No, no, no. The only other one who can see. Uh, Al, aside from Archer, is Porthos. <laughs> the dog can see him. <laughs> nice. Well, dogs can sense things like that. Yeah. And that was all our questions. Woo-hoo. Awesome. So, does anybody have anything they would like to plug this week? Um, I'll plug uh, not only Jesse Cooper's Curio Cask Podcast Emporium, but they see me rolling to start up the next chapter of their campaign. Nice. Uh, recently, so that's that's going again. Uh, I mentioned Darren hosted doing the Prince by tr- track by track, but he's also uh, the they just started up the fourth season of uh, of Arrested Development, the Netflix season. So so some inter- time to listen to some interesting takes on that. If I remember correctly, isn't there a movie coming out on Netflix for them? They're 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 uh, they're they're ta- there's I think they're talks uh, into for a fifth season on Netflix. Oh, okay. If, or at least something like another thing, which yeah. I think makes sense because I'm pretty sure there was like things that they, they thought they were at least getting two seasons worth on Netflix mm-hmm. that they were integ- like, they integrated into the, f- the first season. Yep. That makes sense. And that's all I have to plug. <laughs> em, how about you? Um, you can get my art on dangerstar.com on my Twitter. This is Emeralds. On my Instagram and YouTube, Edvis is Emerald. I also guested on uh, 102, Teenagers of Attitude, which is coming up this Friday, I think. Uh, so it'll be up before you listen to this. And <laughs> I also am going to be on the next GPS that comes out. Nice. Going oh. pear-shaped. That's oh, wait, I think that already came out, didn't it? came out the today. comics one? Did it? Yep. yep. Yeah. It came out oh, today. Well, I was listening to it. Check it out. <laughs> or... It was either today or yesterday that it came yeah, out. Yeah, mm, Mike didn't it. tell me, but it's okay because I already listened to it because he said it too early. <laughs> I get girlfriend privileges. I get early going pear shapes. <laughs> <laughs> I still think that someday we should we should 
try like an audio entropy Mario Party event just to drive. Yeah, to no, that'd be fun. To, I'm not sure how we do that because yeah. like, it's not online at all. Man, maybe there's a excuse me an emulator thing that makes you make servers and stuff and does that. I don't know. <laughs> Kendall, how about you? You can find everything I do at KendallCast.ninja. Uh, I think I posted a an episode of the poll list that we recorded um, like saw. I haven't gotten to a long to time yet, ago, but uh, I, I posted it this week, and uh, I don't know. I haven't I haven't done a, a my uh, schedule has changed, so I haven't done as much of the blogging on it. But hopefully, I can figure out how to work that in. I've got some ideas for stuff to write. Um, and also, uh, at K Hallman, K H A L M A N on Twitter. Um, you can, uh, especially on Wednesdays, sometimes I post pictures of screenshots <laughs> from comics. Cool. Uh, and as always, uh, please feel free to find us on audioentropy.com or, uh, any of the other shows that we got there. Um, I do know that there is always stuff in the works. Um, there's actually something that might be spinning out of, the last episode of Teenagers with Attitude that was just that recorded. recorded. <laughs> um, I, I will not spoil anything, but I do know that there is plans in the works, and I believe there's already been an episode zero recorded for it. But keep your eyes peeled to the Audio Entropy Twitter for that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Greg C-M-U-N. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, uh, Twitter at Warren Beast. And of course on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash war and beast podcast. Um, and of course, if you like emailing for whatever reason, you can email us at <laughs> war and beast podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. It's been another week. Uh, next week you will find out why we decided to do this bonus episode this week. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Listen in next week because you'll you'll find out why. <laughs> it's kind of cool. You know, should I, should I give a hint? Um, we're gonna have a guest. That's all. Yes, we will have it. <laughs> we'll have a guest. That that that's all we'll say. So and you're like, well, we always have guests. <laughs> we don't always have guests. No, but this is a, a guest that we've wanted on for a bit now. It's just scheduling conflicts and now now we can finally hopefully have a chance. So yeah. I guess we'll save it. There, there's someone else on the network which you've never done before. So. Yes. So yeah. There you go. It's been a week. Another, well, an episode down. Not an episode of Beast Wars. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but there you go. So for War and Beast, I've been Greg. I've been Emily. I've been Jordan. I've been Kendall. And I mean... We, I still say we should have done the SG-1 episode. I mean, the, one of the guest stars was the lady from Battlestar Galactica. It's crazy. Go on, folks. Let's roll. <laughs> <laughs> Move your dead